Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grit and Grace podcast. I am your host, Tanya Bruton, and I am so glad that you're here listening and um, just fellowshipping with me over the airwaves today. I hope this podcast, this episode finds you blessed in the Lord, and I hope he's opening doors for you and seeing to all your needs. I pray that for you, those who are listening all the time in Jesus' name, right? So today I have a um, wonderful uh, friend on, Mr. John Jennings, and John is the lead pastor of discipleship and spiritual formation at Pure Heart Church in Glendale, Arizona, and the director of church coaching and church planning for the Pentecostal Church of God. He was ordained in 1991 and has been in full-time ministry since 1992, including 17 years as a senior pastor. His ministry has taken him across the U.S. and around the world to preach and teach at conferences, colleges, and local churches. John holds a BA in Christian ministry from Messenger College and a Master of Theological Studies ooh, from Regent University. He and his wife, Gwen, have been married since 1992 and have five children and seven grandchildren. Um, he can be found on Instagram. His Instagram handle is at Jonathan underscore Jenning. Let me spell Jonathan. At Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N underscore Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S 68. And he can be found on Twitter or X at John, J-O-N-J 8368. So I'm going to bring John on now and let him introduce himself a little more. We're going to talk to him, talk to him a little bit uh, today about uh, lots of stuff, but he does have a book that just came out. And the name of his book is called Journey to the Manger, a Reflective Devotional for Advent and Christmas. And it is a wonderful devotional book. I have read it. I don't uh, have anyone come on the show um, to talk about a book that they've written that I haven't read ahead of time. Just to let you guys know that. So y'all can trust that I am um, reading the content before I present it to you all. So I'm going to go ahead and bring John on and we'll just start talking about his book, what he's doing in his life and his ministry. All right. And see where we go from there. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Tanya. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. So I was just letting the listeners know a little bit about you and kind of what you do for a living, but why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners a little more and tell us about your family and what you like to do for fun and things like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I have been married to my wife, Gwen, for 31 years, and we have five children and seven grandchildren. So it's an amazing thing. We started our family young, and so I, I just turned 55 in August. We're young grandparents and get to enjoy uh, the beauty of our grandchildren as well. I still have one of my five at home. She's a senior in high school this year. And so we get to walk through all the fun senior year stuff together. And so as far as ministry goes, I've been also in full-time Christian ministry for the last uh, 31 years. And it has been such a blessing. I've been able to serve in several churches, serve as a senior pastor in a couple of churches spanning 17 years and currently I am serving as the one of the lead pastors at Pure Heart Church here in Glendale, Arizona. 
And my main responsibilities are discipleship and spiritual life. Uh, I oversee everything related to our our spiritual growth, uh, small groups, things of that nature. And so that's family and ministry as far as fun is concerned. Uh, my biggest hobby is I am the public address announcer for my kids' high school. It's called Cactus High School here in Glendale. And I've been doing public address for their sports now for 10 years. And that is something that just fills my tank gives me a lot of life and I really enjoy doing that. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about John. Well, I mean, it sounds like we got a lot in common and uh, congratulations on, congratulations on such a lengthy marriage. That's, you know, not very common nowadays. And my husband and I, we've been married for, I better say this right, <laughs> 22 and a half years. We're going on 23 um, so we have seven children. Um, we have three left at home right now. Uh, they're a set of triplets. They'll be 17 next month. Wow. They're juniors. And so they are quite involved. So we're at the, we're at the stadium every Friday night. Um, so the oldest, the oldest triplet is about two, two minutes is Amelia and she does um, yearbook. So she's out, she's always on the field or most, most nights on the field taking photos and then uh, the middle one, he's in percussion, so he's in the stands or on the field part of the time. But he's also the high school mascot. And okay. So in uh, at third quarter, he does mascot, and then the other one, she's uh, she plays clarinet, so she does she marches and she's in the stands. So so we're there every Friday um, night, you know, with the kids, and they're very active. So I kind of can relate to that a little bit, but. Yeah, all yeah. three of my boys, all three of my boys were football players. And both of my daughters, my oldest daughter was a cheerleader. Now my youngest daughter, who is our senior this year, she's also a cheerleader. So we've been doing Friday Night Lights for a long time. And it just it doesn't get old. I was a band kid in high school. So I've seen I've seen all the sides of it as well. That's great. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Friday Night Lights. And then with band, um, with marching band, they have competitions uh, real uh, a lot in October mostly, but so in October it's our Friday nights and our Saturday afternoons, you know. So, but yep. it's great for the kids. I mean, I just you know I just love to support the kids. So, but so you know you didn't mention or I did mention. Sorry about that. I mentioned before I brought you on that you had a book just come out and that I did read it and I thought it was wonderful. Um, Journey to the Manger, a reflective devotional for Advent and Christmas. Um, talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, let's talk about how the book came about. I know it's you. It's in the book. You talk about how it came about. You had a, a dark time and um, kind of get into the start of the book. Sure. Well, I've always wanted to write. That's always been a desire ever since I started in, in ministry. And it's it's interesting because I I love good fiction if it's if it's well done. So Several years ago, I thought, I can, I can do this. I can write fiction. So I wrote uh, seven or eight chapters of what I thought would be the next great Christian novel. And then I went back and read it. And I said, you know what? This is garbage. I wouldn't even read this stuff. So so I scrapped that idea. And then about a year and a half ago, I picked it up again and started. Uh, I wrote a couple of chapters of an idea I had for an inspirational Christian living kind of book. And I gave it to my wife. 
And Gwen looked at me as only a wife can do. And she said, it's okay. Uh, and, but she said, it doesn't sound like you. It doesn't feel like your voice. So I went back to the Lord and I said, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do with this? You put this desire inside of my heart to write. And I really heard the Holy Spirit say, what do you do every day? And the truth is I journal and I, I've been journaling now for several years. And, and so as I started writing, I realized that this could become a, a book series. So I actually started with the season between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. There's a 50-day period. And so I started earlier this year writing uh, about that season. And so a couple of weeks into it, I realized, man, this, this might be it. Because I really felt in the inspiration coming every day as I was journaling. And then, so I really said, okay, let's go now. Let's cover the entire calendar year of the church. And so um, back about 10 years ago, I really discovered the beauty of the Advent season. And I, I grew up in an expression of Christianity where we didn't, we didn't talk about Advent. I had no idea what it was. And so the more I dug into it, the more I realized the beauty of it, meaning anticipation or arrival and just the expectancy of Christ coming. And so uh, my last church, I started walking my congregation through uh, the Advent season. And so writing about that was just a natural thing. But the whole devotional side, since you asked, the whole devotional side, uh, I went through a six-year dark night of the soul where I really lost my way in, in ministry. I, I made some self-destructive choices. I fell into sin and had a moral and ethical failure during that time. And when I came out of that season and sought restoration and forgiveness and, and uh, just everything that came with that time in my life, uh, I realized that part of my downfall was that I didn't have the inner life that was able to sustain my outer life. And listen, I know I was in ministry. It's a trap that anybody can fall into. We lose our way because we don't have that interior life with Christ. And so I had journaled sporadically up to that point, but then journal, journaling became a practice, a daily practice after that long, dark night of the soul. And I really rediscovered the rhythms of silence and solitude and observing Sabbath and journaling. And so the book was born out of that. And my my goal is that this will become an entire series of, of of books called the journey devotional series. And so this is the book that you mentioned. It's, it's out right now. It's available on, on Amazon and the eBooks available on Kindle and any other digital platform as well. So I'm just grateful for what I believe God wants to do through this book. And it's already picking up some traction. I've got some churches and pastors that want to do it with their congregations this year. And so I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited for you and congratulations. You Thank said, you. Yes, and you said, and I mean, it's it's always been a goal of mine to write the great American novel as well. <laughs> so I um, actually have an English degree and um, I study literature. So I love to read, and you think that you can do the same things, but <laughs> that you so, but not always. Uh, but anyway, so. I, I'm I'm very happy for you. I thought it was great, and I do want to talk. You you said a lot there, um, and as far as journaling goes, though, uh, so I want to try to try to remember everything that you said and unpack some of that because as far as journaling and dark nights of the soul, 
um, my daughter, she, the, I, I first started journaling when I was 17 years old. I had just, my daughter, she was only eight months years, eight months old when we found out that she was going to die if she did not get a liver transplant. Well, Lord, I don't even know how to describe what that was like, but it was, um, you know, a lot of staying at the hospitals, a lot of being alone, uh, just, you know, being alone, being depressed, uh, feelings of despair, hopelessness, um, just confusion, not knowing the future, if she's going to make it or not, or, you know, why the, the God that heals hadn't, wasn't doing it for me, for my kid. There's just a lot of stuff, you know, to go, to going on for me during that time. But because I was alone and because at that time, um, this was uh, 1992. So back then, um, the hospital that we were at was about an eight hour drive. We live in Texas. So, well, I'm still in Texas, but it was an eight hour drive uh, from home to the hospital. And we didn't have cell phones at the time. So, and so, and calling home still meant like, uh, long distance costs more. So, so I was really disconnected from family and from friends where I was having to yeah. put my child there. And I just, that's, it just came to me automatically was I started journaling, um, every day. That's all. I mean, I was talking to the Lord is what I was doing. Uh, sometimes it was prayers. Sometimes it was scriptures. Sometimes it was just, just like talking to a friend, but I was talking to the Lord because he was literally all I had. And it really was like, it really saved me that, and I've, I've journaled throughout the years on and off, but you talk about, I guess it's in your forward or um, introduction of your book. You, you talk about a little bit what you mentioned here about at some point though, you started practicing these things like silence. Um, and I want to really break those down because I'm very interested in that. But, um, and then journaling more as an everyday a practice that went along with these times of silence, reflection. Can you kind of like um, tell us a little bit more about that, how you came came into that and what does that actually look like, this time of silence and reflection with the Lord? Sure. Um, silence is something that for a long time scared me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my background is Pentecostal. And if you know anything about that, we like it loud. It, you know, it's it's loud. And I've always said that Pentecostal worship is not for the timid. It's not for the the faint of heart. You know, you just you go for it. And so I it just it was constant, uh, constant activity on the on the my relationship with the Lord. But more than that, I realized that there's so much noise that's around us. They're the noise of our culture, the noise of our world, the noise of our everyday activities. And if we're not careful, the noise that's around us can prevent us from really hearing the voice of God because we're hearing everything else around us. And so um, when I came out of my dark night of the soul and started going through restoration, I, I knew that I had to do a radical life change. And so... I had heard about this, this idea of silence and solitude and spiritual formation. And I studied about it in seminary, but it never clicked. It just never really uh, resonated with me until I realized that that radical shift had to take place. And so I started out really, really simple. I started out with two minutes a day uh, of just being still before the Lord, leaving my 
my phone, my devices in another room, sometimes going and sitting out on the patio and just sitting in silence and trying to really clear the clutter, clear out the noise so I could hear the voice of God. And man, I'm telling you, Tanya, it was just a radical uh, transformation that happened. And what started at two minutes just expanded from there. And now my silence sometimes will be anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes at a time. And I find myself, if I'm busy during the day, I'll pull back. I'll find a place here around the church where I can just be, uh, be still and be quiet. And in those moments, I invite Jesus to come and be with me. Lord, will you just come and sit with me? It's about being with Jesus, not about receiving from him, although I do receive from him, but that's not the goal. The goal is just to be with him. So that's, that's how silence really started out for me. I love that. That reminds me, I mean, I used to do it more than I do now, and I've got to get back in the habit of that. And you do have to like make it a habit. And I think you have to start out small like that because it is hard for me. I find it easier in nature for some reason. Um, And then, like you say, no phone, no phone. (laughs) And I I sometimes I miss the days we didn't have phones, but um, well, I was just sitting outside and turning off. Like you say, the sounds I hear are in my own mind. I need to wash the dishes. Like I say, the daily things. Oh, the kids have a game tonight. Um, yep. You know, I have an appointment tomorrow. I need to make sure I have enough gas in the car. Or just what, it could be something small as that to, to the bigger things. And, and of course, your phone and things like that. But just sitting outside and just just being still and just not saying anything. No, dear Lord, can, you know, please touch so-and-so. Just be still. Just be with the Lord. And I think... I think he wants that from us so much yeah. and, and it's so beneficial to us and it's, you know, it's so hard to, to do, but it's such a good practice. And you make note of that in your book. I appreciate that. How you say it's not just an, a devotional that, um, you know, forgive me for saying that you just keep on the back of the, in the bathroom or, you know, just take on the run. It's something that you intended to be read in this fashion in these, yeah. um, during these times of, reflection of quiet or you know we could call it quiet time with the lord um and and you i think you include journaling in it and some prayers in each one so that's very very helpful yeah and and i i hope that people who read the book will will read it that way and i designed it to be for reflection and of course i i don't know i i hope that people will will do that and and start trying to implement these things because what what's really powerful about those times again is just simply being with Jesus and that was part of my my self destruction is i was spending all my time doing 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 and i lost the just simply being with Jesus now i i love Jesus with all my heart that was never that was never a question but just implementing these practices being very intentional about it for me it's it's 4.30 in the morning. I get up at 4.30 every day. Sometimes maybe on the weekends that looks a little bit different, but for the most part, it's, it's 4.30. And I go and, and I set that time aside. And it's usually for about an hour and a half where I'm just with the Lord uh, in silence. Then I get into scripture and prayer and journaling. And, and so when I'm journaling, I'm journaling what I'm, what I'm hearing. And the reason I'm able to hear is because, again, I've cleared out all that clutter. So 
Exactly. Exactly. You also say some other important things I'd like to talk just a little bit about. For one, I think it's really crucial that you're able to say in the book and here on the show and we're, that you that you did struggle as a minister, that ministers do struggle. Um, you, I mean, you a minister is no different than, um, well, a lay person <laughs> um, as far as like we all have we all have our struggles. And um, it's important that you guys are, that you have a safe place to be able to, to say that, you know, it says in Galatians, if any brother is caught in a fall, you know, restore what's such a one in the spirit of meekness. So I think it's important that, you know, you're able to say that and you're able to talk about that. Um, and that, you know, you, it's important that what's important is not that we fall because I've had my dark night or two or three of the soul, <laughs> but mm -hmm. what's important is that we, I, I fell in, I fall down like seven times, but get up eight, just keep getting back up. And so that's, that's awesome. And now here you are writing a book and it's my favorite time is Christmas. I'm like you, I've honestly never celebrated Advent, um, just because I simply didn't know about it. I grew up in Pentecostal church. And it's nothing, no one's ever talked about it in any way, you know, way or the other. Um, and, but I think that the silent stuff is, I don't mean to call it silent stuff, but the silent, the, 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 the idea of practicing silence, I think is so, so important and it should be talked about more in, in our circles. Um, I think it's great. I love being loud. I'm on fire for God, you know, <laughs> and, and, Me and too. you know, and when I'm at a football game or at a concert or when I'm worshiping, sometimes I'm, I'm getting into it, but it's when the Lord can really speak, speaks to us in those quiet times. And I think those are the times that he treasures. And, you know, that's what Jesus modeled. Another thing is discipleship. I wanted to talk yeah. about discipleship. I mentioned that to you. Um, and to me, that's what, how Jesus modeled discipleship is, he showed them, you know, I spend time with the father and I do what the father says. I say what the father says. I do what the father says. Um, so how, what, what does discipleship look like for you in your uh, congregation? Yeah, I, for years, I thought that discipleship was teaching doctrine mm -hmm. and that's doctrine's important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and I say this with the utmost humility, I have a master's degree in theology. So doct doctrine is super important. We got to have our beliefs right. But right doctrine doesn't always equate to Christ-likeness. And really, that's what, I mean, you can have your doctrine right. And this was one of the tiny, it's interesting you brought this up, because this was one of the disconnects that I had for years as a pastor, was I would see people have these incredible encounters with God on a weekend and a Sunday service, you know, they're, they're just, they're caught up into God's presence. And then when they get back into life, there, there's no change. They're still, they still don't know how to treat their spouse, right? They don't, they don't, uh, they're lousy employees. Uh, you know, they show up late for work. They, they struggle with money. I mean, it just, it just went on and on and on. Just, I'd see people have encounters with God and then meet them in the weekend. They're not nice people. And so right. there's this huge disconnect there. And so I realized, okay, preaching doctrine is not going to get this done. And so just to pare it down, the, the approach that I've taken on discipleship, and this is, this is not original. Uh, I think I heard it first from John Mark Comer. He was a pastor in, in Portland for many years, and now he's in a different season of life. But he put it this way. He said, 
Discipleship is three things at its core. It's being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And you mentioned that a minute ago, which I thought was so powerful. It's, you know, Jesus heard from the Father, and then he did what the Father said. So let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at the 12 that Jesus chose. They, they weren't like him at the beginning. You know, these are, these are fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're religious zealots, uh, just coming a very diverse group. And yet Jesus spends time with them. He spends three and a half years with them, being with Jesus. And during that time, he molded and shaped them to become like him. And then we get into the book of Acts and we see that they went out and they did what Jesus did. And we are here today because those 12 men became true disciples of Jesus. And so if we spend intentional time to be with him, I promise you over time, we will become like him. You become like those who you spend time with. My wife and I, and you'll relate to this, Tanya, you've been married about the same time we have. My wife and I are at the point right now where we know how each other think. Uh, We're finishing each other's sentences now. (laughs) You know, it's it's that point. So you're with them, you become like them, and then ultimately we we do what Jesus did. It's a natural outflow of of our life. So that's that's really how I approach discipleship in our church and and just encouraging people to do those three things. I love that. I love that. And and there's there's we could talk about leadership just a little bit too in there too as well as you had a quote and I found this on your I think it was on you posted it on Twitter. But you said that, or you quoted this, um, the greatest attribute of leadership is humility, especially when you are the most powerful person in the room. Leverage your authority to humbly lift others up to a higher level. Um, As far as like, um, well, first, the servant has to be humble. I was reading that in Philippians the other day where Jesus humbled himself as a servant, um, even though he was um, equal with God. But, um, But as far as like, when you say to lift others up to a higher level, I think that's part of discipleship too. Um, at some point we want them to be able to do what we're doing. We want them to be able to serve and um, uh, feel, fulfill the purpose that God has for their life. Wouldn't you? Yeah. A hundred percent. And um, as you were reading that, I'm thinking, wow, did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> thinking, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a lot of my stuff like that is spur of the moment. You know, I just, tweet out what I'm thinking. And yeah, um, it was good. I, I, I remember that morning I was, I was reading, I was reading in, in John 13, where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples the night before he was, he was executed. And, you know, I realized that in reading that, that in that moment, Jesus, Jesus knew you know, who, where he had come from and where he was going. I'm paraphrasing all this, but he was without a doubt the most powerful person in the room at that point. And in that moment, he took that authority and he didn't leverage it to lift himself up. He stripped down, girded in a towel and did the, the servant's task of washing the disciples' feet. And this just incredible display of humility. And, you know, Peter's having none of it. He's like, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Peter and Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I am. And, <laughs> it, and then you're going to do, you're going to do likewise. You're going to serve other people in this manner. And what Jesus was doing was teaching them 
this idea of humility. And he did that all through the gospels, you know, in the kingdom, the way to go up is down. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to be lifted up, you allow yourself to be humbled. And so humility is, I, I believe it's the single most important characteristic of leadership is staying in that posture. So, right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, okay. So before we, before we do wrap things up, I do, I do want to come back to the book just a little bit more. Um, as far as I was mentioning that I had never celebrated Advent before because I didn't know anything about it. So I have been looking up some things and I've read your book. It's a wonderful devotional. It really is. Um, Thank you. Like, yeah. And like I said, I was telling before you came on, I always read everything before um, I have anyone on, mostly because I almost made an error one time that I discovered some content that wasn't obvious to me <laughs> and i don't want to you know steer anybody wrong so but it's it's a really it's a really great book um and christmas is my is my favorite time of year and it has nothing me too okay great <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the commercial side of things um there's something about seasons and um you mentioned that this is this is going to be a series type thing um i guess kind of according to seasons and the season, the seasons are significant. Would that be the right word? Significant, I think, to us. Um, it's not just about a calendar. I feel different on the inside when seasons change. Um, and I don't really know what all that means. But when the fall comes and and, it, and maybe it's some of the things has to do with what's going on. Like, you know, when fall comes, football's coming and, you know, so things like that. But and, you know, when 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 the Christmas comes or, you know, Thanksgiving's coming, you're gonna have time with your family. You're gonna have good food and things like that. But I do reflect. I like how the book has you reflect in Advent. I like that, how it has you reflect on the significance of the birth of Christ. Um, you know, simple scriptures mean so much to me as far as Christmas goes, like Emmanuel, the, you know, God with us. But um, one of my favorites too is in Matthew where it says, and I love this one. I don't know why, but, um, and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Thank God. Amen. <laughs> that little, it's not little, but it's a, it's a simple short little thing where, you know, name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That was the whole point of him being born was so that I could be born again. Amen. That's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. And taking time out to reflect on the significance of that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the more I read scripture, the more I realize how much God deals in seasons you know we we think we think in terms of the linear 24-hour day and that's and, that, and that's fine but you know god if we really look at our lives we can see how seasons operate how they work and and the the calendar the traditional calendar of the church wasn't wasn't uh, invented by accident i mean it was it was really a reflection and this goes back to the earliest days of Christianity where they, they wanted to get into this rhythm of understanding the seasons. And so after journey to the manger, I'm writing for the Easter season, which uh, spans, uh, you know, another 42 day period. And in some expressions of Christianity, they call it Lent, which, you know, it simply means spring. Lent just means spring and people get all 
weirded out about <laughs> about Lent. Oh, it's a Catholic <laughs> thing. No, no, it's this this goes back centuries. And it was it's a period of 40 days of fasting and and prayer that prepares us to experience the power of the resurrection, just like Advent prepares us as we anticipate the arrival, not just the birth of Christ, but we anticipate the arrival of Jesus in our life, breaking into our life in fresh new ways. We anticipate his second coming. And then with, with the season of Lent, we anticipate us being changed by the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul said. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So the next book that I'm writing now is, is Journey to the Cross. And then that season from Easter to Pentecost is really a celebration of harvest. So the third book will be Journey to the Harvest. So And then the rest of the year in the traditional calendar is called Ordinary Time. So the, the next books will be called Journey Through the Ordinary. And so what I want to do is just create this space for people to spend time with Jesus, to reflect, to take a dive into the scriptures and, and see what God wants to say to them. You know, I, I intentionally did not put questions into the devotional. I see a lot of devotionals that, you know, hey, this is what I want you to reflect on. I intentionally stayed away from that because I want my readers to really hear from God for themselves. And so he does that in seasons. I love that. I think that's great. And so um, to find your book, uh, just real quick, they can go to amazon.com and just search um, by the title, um, Journey to the Manger, a reflective yep. emotional for Advent and Christmas. Yep. And if they just type in Journey to the Manger, I mean, I checked it yesterday, and if you put that search query in, the book is first. first I'm, right, I'm pretty. Right. That's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, if they want the ebook, they can get it there, or again on any digital platform. You know, they can get it through Apple iBooks or uh, or any other digital platform, Barnes and Noble. So yeah, cool, cool, awesome. Well, um, it's been great having you on, John. Um, I've enjoyed our talk. Um, definitely thank you for letting me read your book and coming on and sharing it with our listeners. Did you have anything else you'd like to share with us before we close? Well, I, I just really want to encourage your, your listeners to just regardless of what this upcoming season looks like for you. I, what I found in pastoring is that some people get really triggered through the holidays because they've experienced loss or, or grief. I would just really encourage you to lean into that and, and allow Christ to come into your life, uh, to break into your life in, in fresh new ways, allow him to, to heal your soul this season. And whether you choose to read my book or not, I would encourage you to anticipate that, that coming into your life. And uh, I just want to speak that blessing over your readers. Oh, that's so. wonderful. That's beautiful, John. Thank you so much. Um, stick around and um, I'll talk to you for a minute after we close. Um, you guys, I appreciate you listening. As always, I always pray for you all that the Lord opens doors for you and makes ways for you and heals where what needs to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Amen. Thanks, for, thanks for listening today. Um, continue to um, share these episodes with your friends that you find helpful. Um, I appreciate it. And until next time, bye-bye.